Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Ahead on the best 60 minutes of your day, while LeBron and the Cavs simply look to get above 500 tonight on ESPN, are we looking at the present and future kings of the East in Boston? What tomorrow night's clash with the champs will tell us about these seas. In L.A., it's Alonzo who is trusting the process. Why he'll shoot well enough to actually play the fourth tonight against Ben Simmons and the Sixers. Certainly can't shoot worse. It could be worse. He could be LiAngelo. I don't feel sorry for myself. I've learned my lessons from this big mistake. Did UCLA punish its trio of shoplifting freshmen harshly enough? And why Baker Mayfield already has done enough to lock up the Heisman, while a win over Michigan will lock up a spot in the top four for Wisconsin. All that and so much more next on SportsCenter. That's right, it's the six with Michael and Jamel instead of Michael or Jamel, LOL. Here's a look at tonight's six at six, starting with Ezekiel Elliott throwing in the towel and sitting for six games. Uh, yeah, Ezekiel Elliott has decided to drop any remaining appeals and will serve his entire six-game suspension for domestic violence. According to Elliott's agents, Rocky Arsenault and Frank Salzano, Elliott arrived at this decision after consulting with his legal team and the NFLPA uh, after reviewing the recent second court decisions. Now, he's already missed the Cowboys game against Atlanta. Now he'll nick. He'll miss the next five. He'll be eligible for the Cowboys' final two regular season games and the postseason, of course, if Dallas makes it. The suspension is expected to cost Elliott about $600,000 in salary. And here's a statement from Elliott's agents. This decision in no way uh, admits any admission of wrongdoing. And Mr. Elliott is pleased that the legal fight mounted by him and his team resulted in the disclosure of many hidden truths regarding this matter, as well as public exposure of the NFL's mismanagement of its disciplinary process. Mr. Elliott will maximize this time away from the game and come back even stronger both on and off the field. He intends to release a final personal statement in the upcoming weeks. And until then, we'll have no further comment. Here's more from Adam Schefter. Thank you, Jamil and Michael. The on-again, off-again, on-again, off-again saga of Ezekiel Elliott that has gone on since August when the six-game suspension was handed down is off again. Ezekiel Elliott finally has dropped his appeal. And the reason he did it is because legally he knew that he had very little chance of having this appeal resolved before the six games had been served anyway. His appeal was scheduled to be heard on December 1st, at which point Four games would have been served by that point anyway. By the time the courts would have figured it out, the six games would have passed. So rather than go on with the legal fight, he decided to drop that appeal now, which means the Dallas Cowboys will have to figure out a way to stay alive and stay in playoff contention without their star standout running back. For now, the Zeke Elliott case is off. He will be back in the lineup December 24th against Seattle. But we have not heard the last of this story. I promised you that. So that's the court system analysis from Adam Schefter. Let's talk about the court of public opinion. As we've talked about before, those that believe that he, in fact, committed acts of domestic violence, 
are going to believe it regardless of whether you continue to fight or not. So even if he says this is in no way an admission of any wrongdoing, people have already made up their minds about it. Those who remember that this is, in fact, about domestic violence and not just Article 46, which brings me to the part about, in the statement, the NFL's mismanagement of the disciplinary process, exposing it. Does it matter? We know that it's a kangaroo court. We know that they don't do the right thing when it comes to disciplinary players. We learned that with Deflategate. But they can't seem to not just fight but beat City Hall. Yeah, um, look, I knew... Not to get too uh, caught up when Ezekiel Elliott would ha- have sort of those minor victories that he's had along the way where the suspension would be off on. Uh, we've gone through that back and forth since this decision was handed down in August because eventually this is what the NFL does. They wear you out. Uh, they did the same thing with Tom Brady. And uh, look, um, for him at this point, the reputation uh, or the harm to his reputation has been done. Yep. And I knew that it would get to this point where he'd have to really decide whether or not it was worth it. The shame of it will be. Again, if he actually didn't do this to have served this suspension and to have this done to his reputation, right. we have to wonder whether or not this process really has gotten to the root of the truth. And real quick, just goes without saying, if he did do it, his reputation doesn't matter. Yeah, on paper, this Cavs wanted matchup. Doesn't seem so tantalizing. Who knew this would eventually devolve into a 7-17 versus a 5-17, but the Cavs and LeBron there trying to get back over 500, and they face the perfect team to try to accomplish that since Jordan. Michael Jordan, that is, became the Hornets' majority owner in 2010. LeBron is 23-1 and against the Hornets, by far his best record against any team during that span. All right, so Cassidy Hubbard uh, joins us now. So you have the Cavs. They were in a playful uh, and in the case of LeBron Cassidy, a petty move going into the next game. <laughs> Afterward, with help from Arthur, the Cavs took to IG to let us know that they were feeling pretty good about themselves. So question is, what's the mood around the Cavs coming off of two straight wins, albeit, of course, over the Mavs and the Knicks? Yeah, so if I were to kind of come up with an Arthur picture meme for the mood this morning before shoot-around, I, I, I think it would be like a little tired Arthur with a closed-mouth smile. Not an open-mouth smile, probably a closed-mouth smile. Because uh, overall, I mean, the Cavs are positive. They've won actually three of their last four games. And I asked Jay Crowder, you know, if that game in New York, that emotional win, the subway ride, the Arthur memes, if that was a bonding experience, and he said... Of course it was. And he also said that this is the most team-orientated team he's ever been on. And, you know, he, it's just a little while after Kevin Love said that they were unfamiliar with each other. So it seems like the Cavs are going in the right direction. As far as LeBron is concerned, I asked him this morning, I go, coming off of that emotional comeback win in New York, the shade he threw at Phil Jackson, the clap backing with Ennis Cantor, all of that. I, I haven't checked to see if he has any petty posts today. Last Not time to I our there, knowledge. Okay, there wasn't. Uh, he told me, basically, uh, we're on national television. That's all the motivation we need. You never want to be nasty on <laughs> national television. Well, that's so, good news for us. Uh, exactly. <laughs> you know what? I said thank you after that. Uh, I, I also think the Cavs, they, they want him to be nasty, not nasty. So uh, we'll see what they do tonight as they uh, close up this uh, road trip. I like right, the Cass. differentiation with the long day. Exactly. That makes sense. All right, now to our other game. Lonzo Ball and Ben Simmons meet for the first time in the regular season. After that Cavs game tonight on ESPN, and while the two share an affinity for passing the ball, their rookie seasons couldn't be going any differently. Simmons is leading all rookies in points, rebounds, and assists, and the Sixers appear ready to take the next step to the playoffs. (coughs) Meanwhile, Lonzo Ball's shooting has been fairly dreadful. 
He's shooting just 31% from the floor, including 25% from three-point range. My man, Ohm, Young Masu, joining Y'all want to us. talk about... I, we don't want to talk about last night. Y'all for 37 uh, we, Michigan see, State, see, no? Y'all, I'm, 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 okay. You're being real petty right, right now. Just, just, I'm I'm I got a bone to pick with Magic. I'm going to have to ask Magic <laughs> what happened last night, and I'm sure he'll break it down for me. But, uh, you know, when it comes to Lonzo's shooting, Jamel, I was listening to Pebbles on my way here to the stadium and wondering... Girlfriend? That, uh, yeah, Pebbles giving the Lakers are going to give Lonzo Ball the benefit of the doubt here, okay? Oh. With his shot, you like that, Jamel? I that do. one's for you. Um, <laughs> look, Magic Johnson has said we're going to let we're going to let the kid keep shooting. We are not going to mess with his shot. And of course, the Lakers can't. They have no other choice. They have to let him keep shooting. He's shooting about thirty-one percent from the field, but twenty-five percent from three. I watched him in shoot around today. He was uh, doing a shooting contest with Kyle Kuzma. He was bearing a lot of threes from the wing, and he usually does this in practice. But when it comes to game time and when defenses are sagging on those pick and rolls and they're giving him the three, they're not falling. Now, the other night in Phoenix, he did have a couple that went in and out. He says he's going to keep shooting. And, of course, Magic says, let's just see if this improves. If it doesn't improve, then this summer we may have to look at fixing the shot. You might have to look at fixing your rotation. Though. Do you really ride into work listening to Pebbles, look. dog? Like, come on. I mean, I, I, I grew up on Pebbles, too, but you ain't listening to Pebbles. First that was a great reference. the foremost 90s R&B aficionado. Yeah, Pebbles, you could do better. Mercedes we'll talk Boy. about this some other time. <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect. You know, he you don't do understand all I understand it. I'm just saying, you can't, that's not hype music to go to work. Anyway. Thank you. All right, on Thank to the under, other story involving the Ball family. UCLA is suspending freshman Langelo Ball, Cody Riley, and Jalen Hill indefinitely for allegedly shoplifting during the team's trip to China where they were held after being released least on bail. The players finally returned from China yesterday and today at a news conference they each read statements apologizing for the incident. I'm a young man, however it's not an excuse for making a really stupid decision. I also like everyone to know that this does not define who I am. My family raised me better than that and I'm going to make myself a better person from here on out. I'd also like to thank President Trump and the United States government for the help that they provided as well. I'm grateful to be back home, and I'll never make a mistake like this again. Trust is earned. It isn't just given. These three young men will remain suspended indefinitely from our program as we work through the review process with the university's Office of Student Conduct. During that indefinite suspension, they will not travel with the team, nor will they suit up for home games. All right, Arash Marchese, he was with the team when the, first, first story, the, first, the story first broke excuse me, in China and was in L.A. for today's press conference. Arash, what are the chances this indefinite suspension lasts the whole season? There is a chance. Uh, Jamel, there is a current debate currently going on within university officials about how long this suspension will last. There is a segment that believes it should be for half the season, which means that they would be back for the beginning of conference play. And then there are some who believe that they should be suspended for the entire season. And if that's the case, how soon do you let them know that and kind of allow them to transfer if they want? But again, from everyone I've talked to, there is definitely a chance that they could be suspended for the entire season. But again, that is a debate that is currently happening. Well, I'll just say this. Well, there's two games or ten games, guys. They've been detained in China, probably scared to death. They've been embarrassed. They've apologized, and they're being used as political props right now. So they've learned their lesson. No matter how long they have to sit, they've learned their lesson. But half the season or entire season, that'd be steep. Arash, we appreciate it, man. Thank you. 
So much to do about nothing then. Mike Zimmer is sticking with Case Keenum as a starter for Sunday's game between the 7-2 Vikings and 7-2 Rams. Seti Bridgewater will remain the backup. I remain puzzled as to why there was intrigue leading up to this announcement, given Keenum had led the Vikings to five straight wins and is among the league's total QBR leaders. Regardless, at least Zimmer arrived at the right decision, the only decision. Man, that's that's stuff that you guys talk about. I mean, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to win ball games. I'm I'm doing the best I can, and uh, you know that's showing up every day and doing my job. That's uh, protecting the football. Obviously, that's learning from my mistakes. That's uh, continuing to do things well that I do well. But um, you know, I think all that stuff that's just storylines for you guys to talk about. So I don't pay attention to it. Courtney Cronin, can you answer my question as to why this was even a question or a consideration as to who was going to start at 7-2 and two against the Rams, given Teddy Bridgewater hasn't played in, what, 22 months? Yeah, it's certainly not a question, Michael, in week 11. Case has led this team to where they're at right now, first place, top of the NFC North. He's got the, all the momentum, and they're going to continue to ride that. I think it becomes a question, though, when you're looking down the line. They've got four more games on the road in the second half of the season. And then if you're looking towards the playoffs, who's going to be able to get you a win on the road in the postseason? Is it Case Keenum or is it Teddy Bridgewater? Right now, they don't know with Bridgewater. Mike Zimmer did say that he is completely healthy. Otherwise, he wouldn't be on the sideline dressed out. But how are you going to know what he can do? At some point this season, it seems inevitable that the Vikings are going to have to get Bridgewater some action on the field because because that's certainly an experiment you don't want come week 17 and looking towards the postseason to throw him into the mix if things all of a sudden don't start working with Case Keenum like they are now. All right, Courtney, we appreciate it. See, that's what it comes down to. As I mentioned, he is among the league leaders in total QBR. As a matter of fact, he's second among dudes still playing, Jamel. This, this comes down to being a Case Keenum thing. I love Teddy Bridgewater, love his story, but the fact that it's even a discussion at this point is basically you're just looking for a reason. Because to go, Case Keenum. Exactly. Yeah, there's an like, expectation that the bottom is going to fall out. It doesn't make sense to well, me. Well, it does make sense. Teddy Bridgewater is their franchise guy. He's going to get the benefit of the doubt in any and all situations. What does that matter now when he hasn't played for this franchise it matters. In over it a year? It matters still because they still feel like he's their guy. A, a horrific injury happened. And I think they still want to see whether or not uh, he can still play. He's still the guy that they thought that he was. So, so you want to see whether he's a guy, but you don't want to keep winning? You want to keep the train no, rolling? No, I, I think you could actually do both. But make no mistake about it, because he is Case Keenum, no disrespect. That, <laughs> but? <laughs> but he is going to have a shorter leash and not the same cushion as, say, if the situation were reversed. That's fine. I'm not saying Case Keenum should be treated like he's Tom Brady and he can't lose his job at all. What I'm saying is, if his name weren't Case Keenum, I told you he's completing 65% with 11 touchdowns, mm-hmm. it was third in total QBR with 92.6 rating, and they won five straight games, you wouldn't be trying to replace him with a guy. Look, the Vikings more than anybody know the, 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 the need for a capable backup quarterback. That's why they're on Case Keenum right now. Correct. It may be a moot point. They may need him, Teddy Bridgewater, that is, sooner rather than later for whatever reason. But you don't go looking for a reason. If Case Keenum performs poorly, then you turn to Teddy and the sky is blue. I, that's, that shouldn't be a conversation like a week-to-week thing. Like, oh, we'll tell you who our quarterback is on Wednesday. Your quarterback's the guy has been for the last five games. Well. Again, it's because it's Case Keenum. No disrespect. You've been trying to. You, no, I mean. Teddy Bridgewater no. was activated last week. Behind the scenes, you're like, when's Teddy playing? 
this is the situation they're in. There was a quarterback change in Buffalo. First-year Bills coach Sean McDermott changing his mind since Sunday and Monday and announcing today that rookie Nathan Peterman will replace Tyrod Taylor, who doesn't play defense, and given his contract is almost certain to be playing for another team next season. Then again, the writing has been on the wall since the offseason for Tyrod. So the 5-4 and four Bills, one of six teams in the AFC with a winning record, turns their fifth-round pick out of pits. It is always and will forever, forever, for the time that I'm here, will be about becoming the best team that we can possibly become. And uh, we are made for more than five and four, and I've, I've come here to be more than five and four. Just disappointed. Uh, that's one of the feelings, but definitely just disappointed. Like I said, I don't agree with the decision, but uh, ultimately, Coach McDermott um, has a vision for this team, uh, what he feels is best for the team, as well as the owners and GM. So um, I have to move forward. And, Continue to be the teammate and the, the leader that I am from a different role. Are you shocked or surprised by this? Yes. All right, so just who is Nathan Peterman? Bills took him again in the fifth round of this year's draft. Eighth quarterback taken will be the 17th Bills starting quarterback since Jim Kelly retired after the 96 season. Played 11 snaps last week in a blowout loss to the Saints. Went 7-10 for 79 yards and a touchdown. Damian Woody needs no introduction. How do you feel about this decision? Right one? I, I, I see where McDermott's coming from. How about you? You do? Oh, 100%. Okay. Well, he's not his guy. Precisely. He's not, he's not his guy. Politics. I mean, that's, Politics that's, as you that's basically what it's there. I mean, you, if you go back and look, you know, in, in training camp in the preseason, I mean, he was playing him behind patchwork lines. Who, who throws their starting quarterback behind a patchwork offensive line? The one whose contract they reworked anyway. Right, exactly. I mean, he was in a training camp battle with Nathan Peterman and, and, and other quarterbacks on the, on the roster. Um, so th- that, that further tells you that he was never their guy. They were just looking for the right moment that they could, you so know, pull him from the line. Make the playoffs, huh? Because like, right. it could not be your well, guy, and it could be politics as usual, but you have to win. And guess what? No one cares about those politics, Sean McDermott, if you don't win. So why would you do something that is just so s- simple-minded? I'll tell you why. Because this is a move that only a rookie coach coach would make with an eye toward the future. They've been accumulating draft picks, making right. a lot of trades, some for now, some for later. And they have done a good job in that regard. You, correct. You, so, could, you could say right now that they're improving themselves by potentially losing games because their draft picks will become, will, will become higher. But I, I don't think picks. they're tanking. I think this no, is, I don't think they're tanking, but, tanking but what, at all. He said we're here for more than five wins, okay? I was here for more than that. They could try to make the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor. I think this is what he's thinking. They could try to make the playoffs with Tyrod Taylor, win Buffalo's usual seven, eight games, maybe make it. But what's the ceiling? I think they know that not only is he not their guy as in their hand-selected guy Tyrod Taylor is, but he's not the guy that can take them to the next level. So they're looking at it like, you know what? Our defense is falling apart before our eyes. We may be 5-4 and four in the thick of this, but we're not good enough in the grand scheme of things. Maybe in the short term, but definitely not in the long term. So you know what you do? You go to somebody that maybe can win now, but you want to find out. You're talking about Teddy Bridgewater so finding that, out. That, you want to find out if he can win later. Sense. It makes sense in that instead of going with the status quo and playing like your job is on the line as a coach and trying to win now and maybe make the playoffs, knowing that Tyrod Taylor is not the long-term answer, you go to somebody who well, wins. Well, you know what? This, this is the way I equate it. You know in the NBA, the worst place you could be is like in the middle. Mediocre. It's be mediocre. I think if you're Buffalo right now, it's like, yeah, you know what? Be mediocre right, we don't, we're, you know, at this point right now, the, the best place we could be is mediocre. We'd rather just throw, throw the young guy in there, see what he has. We have draft picks now where if, if we don't see what we like, 
then we can always go and out there. I'm not saying Tyrod's the that, problem, and this is a raw deal, but he's no, certainly no, no. not the solution either. Well, he's not the solution because they haven't created many solutions around him. And so that's the part where I find to be ultimately hilarious about all this is that they've made him the fall guy, made him seem as if he's the problem. Mm-hmm. They haven't adequately built around him. He doesn't have the weapons he needs. They say, oh, but you're the problem. He always also has his flaws, but didn't I start by saying politics? Yeah. Okay, so it's a, it's a mixture of both. It's not okay. just practical, but you know, it's but also it's, but politics. But it's decisions like these, what? that's how you get fired. Well, I mean, no. clearly this is all the def- – the, like you said earlier, the defense fell apart. No, no, I mean, the pa- these guys pa- pa- Yeah, yeah. I mean, they traded away um, like yeah, four or five guys yeah. throughout the season, so yeah. obviously this was the right on the wall for Tyron Taylor. <laughs> Franchise guy right there. Tory Kluber tied a bow on his 2017 season with another Cy Young Award, led the AL with a 2-2-5 ERA. Joined Mike Garcia as the only Indians player to lead the league in ERA. Made his mark in the second half of the season. That was really different between him and Chris Sale. He fell off, whereas when Kluber came off the DL in June, since the start of June, Kluber went 15-2 with a 1-6-2 ERA, struck out more than 12 per nine. And of course, the Indians had that great winning streak. Also, won a Cy Young in 2014, which makes him the 19th player in MLB history with multiple Cy Young Awards. First Indian player ever to do it. All right, Indians pitcher Corey Kluber now joins us. Uh, Corey, this is your second Cy Young Award. You got 28 of 30 first place votes. Nice. Uh, is there a difference between the first one and the second one? And, and what does it mean for you? Uh, I don't know if there's a difference. I mean, they're definitely both special. Uh, they're, they're great honors. Um, you know, I think that it's a, a culmination of a long season, a lot of hard work. Um, but, you know, I don't know if there's any difference between the two. Well, you know what Sade said, never as good as the first time. So there's that. Uh, what, will you remember, what will you remember most about this season? Obviously, it didn't end as well as you like, but certainly a lot of special moments along the way. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, when you take a step back and you look at the course of the of 162 games, you know, I think there are a lot of special moments throughout the season. Um, most noteworthy would probably be the, the winning streak. And I think that the way that, you know, we – we won and we played the game during that winning streak. Uh, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun to come to the ballpark every day. It, it is every day with that group. Uh, you know, there's never a dull moment in our clubhouse. But, you know, I think it's just the guys that were around every day. That's, those are lasting memories. Now, is it difficult for you, uh, again, as Mike said, the season didn't end the way you wanted, to, wanted it to, and especially compared to how last season went, but for you to be recognized uh, for such a, a prestigious achievement and then kind of balance the fact that, you know, your season didn't end the way you wanted it to, how do you kind of strike that balance in observing one but still keeping in light the, bar- the bigger and larger goal that didn't happen? Yeah, I think that obviously the way the season ended was disappointing for all of us. Um, but I, I think we're already looking forward, looking forward to next year. You know, I think that everybody's well into our off season now. Hopefully, everybody's you know kind of got their got their blinders on and looking towards 2018 because I think that uh, we want to we want to have a better finish than we have you know last year and ultimately than we did two years ago as well. You know, I think that everybody's working towards that goal. All right, congratulations on the side and uh, enjoy the off season as best you can. Thanks for joining the six. All right, y'all know I trusted the process, also believed in the plan, but I admit I doubted whether the Celtics' overhaul roster would gel quickly enough this season to contend for the East again, and I certainly thought they were out of the conversation when Gordon Hayward went down and out for the season, and yet here they are, winners of 13 straight with the Warriors up next. You know, it's, it's definitely a, an incredible streak we're on, um, and now comes a, you know the, the whole media frenzy of will the streak end and what's going to happen on Thursday and the Golden State Warriors are coming to Boston. So I'm looking forward to that, all that hoopla. Well, 
Steve Kerr already taking notice. He said, that looks like a team that is going to be at the top of the East for a long time to come. Called them the future of the Eastern Conference. Whether their time is now or the future, that's to be determined. But they sure look like they want it to be right now. Exactly. They got next and now. So let's talk about tomorrow night. It's never too soon to Kyrie's point to start hyping up this matchup. Best two teams uh, in the league record-wise. 13 straight wins for the Celtics. Warriors on a winning streak. I think seven straight, all in by double digits. So let me ask you this. What would a win over the Warriors mean for Boston? How would you look at them if they beat the Warriors at home tomorrow? I think we need to learn how to quantify things by degrees because I think we're usually very all or nothing. And I know for a lot of people with a long NBA season, we're talking about a regular season game in November. And granted, against two very good teams, I think it does mean something. I think it means something for the Celtics. And look, we all know that in sports, a lot of times it's about narratives. And I think a lot of us lowered our expectations of the Celtics once Gordon Hayward went out. And this wasn't the team we kind of envisioned challenging, truly challenging LeBron in the East. Well, they said, OK, so you guys going to doubt us? We got something else to show you. And I think that the way that they play both with and without Kyrie, that there is something that this team just has. They have, they have it. They fit together so well and nicely. And so to see if they were able to beat the Warriors while, no, it's not a championship, know that if they, whatever happens to them at the postseason will always be the dominant kind of story of their season. But this is one of those wins, given the streak that they're on, that shows you that what Steve Kerr said is absolutely true. And right. I think a lot of people can see that. This is a team that is trending so far northward, northward that you better get in on it. We map. already knew that they were going to – they had next along with the Sixers. Mm-hmm. They had next in the Eastern Conference. That was the plan. And on behalf of Danny Ainge, I will accept your apology and everybody else. <laughs> I'll accept yours for what? about for what? Kyrie Irving for what? not making a good no, move. Well, I'll, no, I'll accept no, yours. don't conflate those two things. I'll accept yours I was about in the middle Kyrie of a point Irving. and then we'll you had to go because you're petty. No, that's I'm not. I'm not petty. You no, brought it up. I didn't say Kyrie. I was Kyrie. perfectly content to give my analysis and here you go talking about an apology. That's what you did, right? You know you can't win an argument. Do I clap back or do I focus? I'm going to focus on this. I'm not going to make this about me. I'm not going to make it about me. Talk about the Celtics. Talk about the Celtics. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, y'all let you make it about you. Talk about the Celtics. It was always a plan for them to be another dynasty, maybe, and, and, and control the East for the year, for years to come. But this team right here, right now, even without Gordon Hayward, you're right about us lowering our expectations, but let's not be prisoners of those lowered expectations out of the gate. They're more versatile than they were last year. They rebound the heck out of the ball. And that's, saying, that's not saying much compared to last year, but they're a great rebounding team. I know they've had some favorable opponents so far, but you play who you play. Their defense is so devastating and so sound. They're deeper. And those rookies, they're, they're, they're hard to deal with at both ends. Tatum has been amazing down the stretch. So I look at this team, and I know that the Cavs aren't what they're going to be. And I'm not trying to say, oh, this is it. LeBron's not going to make it back to the final. I'm not going there. They don't have IT. They don't have Tristan Thompson. Derrick Rose not healthy. I got it. But why are we li- – we shouldn't limit this team and what it can do. And I think if they find a way to beat the Warriors, even in the regular season – I'm going to look at them tomorrow. I'm, I look at them now. They're the, they should be the favorite right now. I'm not going to assume what the Cavs are going to become, because just like I sh- we should have assumed what the Celtics couldn't do without Gordon Hayward. So right now, the Celtics, especially on defense, have proved worthy of favorite status in the Eastern Conference, and a Warriors win to answer my own question would cement that. Kyrie was not a free agent, and all I said was that was a huge risk by asking away from LeBron when you were winning finals and making shots, and they could have sent him anywhere. Thankfully, they sent him to Boston. I had to get that Results back. is all that matters. That's what you tell me, right? Anyway. Man, Kevin Pelton does amazing work on ESPN.com. But I don't know about all that. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting read. Numbers still never lie. But anyway, I'm like a proud papa talking about Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. It's like picking between my two favorite children, you know? 
as advertised, on the court together, when they've been on the court together, they've scored or assisted on 79% of the team's baskets, outscoring opponents by over 10 points per 100 possessions with them together on the court. Second best in the NBA. First best NBA <laughs> analyst and reporter Ramona Shelburne joining us from Sixers Lakers. So Ramona, they're getting along famously, swimmingly, beginning of a beautiful friendship on the court. What about on the court? Is, is, that, is that where it comes from? Like me and Jamel are friends away from the camera. That's how this it, happens. Is that uh, the same way with Embiid and Simmons? I, I, I don't know if they have the same chemistry that you and Jamel have. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're very, very different personalities. Like, they, like Joel Embiid is like the big clown. Like, he's the big troll, right? He likes to stir the pot. He's loud. Everybody sort of flocks to him. You walk around Philly, he's like the mayor. Whereas Ben Simmons got his headphone on. He's got a lot of pets, right? You read Mark Spears today about how he had a pet rat. Sure did. Like, what? Okay. So, I think one of the things the Sixers really have to figure out is Yes, they're great on the court together, right? I mean, you saw the Kevin Pelton breakdown. They actually passed the ball second most amongst any two players. Like, in, that's 88 passes for 100 possessions. So they pass to each other. They play together. But I've talked to to Brett Brown about this. I've talked to Joel about this. About to Ben about this. They're still figuring out how to play together. And some of that is because if you haven't noticed, Ben Simmons doesn't really know which hand he likes to shoot with, right? Mm-hmm. Inside he likes to shoot with the right hand. Outside he shoots with the left hand. Except he doesn't really shoot outside all that much. And so it's kind of hard to figure out where Joel and beach ago when Ben is not going to shoot outside. Should he stay inside? She's pick and pop. Like, they're still figuring that out. And Ben Brett Brown flat out said, he goes, look, I was with the Spurs when Tim and Manu and Tony had to figure out how they three were going to play together. And that's where we are with Ben and Joel. They're so good, and they got to grow them together. Yep. So just because they're not friends off the court doesn't mean they can't be great on the court. And all those stats you see, that's just scratching the surface. Exactly. And you look at, let's talk specifically about Joel and mm-hmm. B's journey back from injury. Oof. 32 and 16 in a career high 36 <laughs> minutes. Where is the process when it comes to his process at this point? Okay, so I've been watching them very closely for about a week now. We were out on the road last week, so they here the other night against the Clippers. He's about 50%. Okay, which is crazy because he went for 32 and 16 the other night, right? And I mean, if you watch him though, he's huffing and puffing up and down the court. He's sweating, like he's actually getting his shot blocked. I saw him get his shot blocked three times last game, and so you, when he's in shape, that's not going to happen. And that's why each game he plays, they let him go a little bit more, a little bit further. But the issue with Joel always is going to be he wants to go 100,000 percent, and they've got to kind of stop him from himself, sort of keep him patient. That's why the other the other night in Utah, they didn't even send him to Utah. To just stay home, rehab, get yourself right. But he's like 50% of where he needs to be. He needs what? a whole other month of playing to really be in That's shape. scary. 50% of where he needs to be. And they're not even whole as a team. Markel yep. Fultz still coming back. <laughs> Shout know. out to Robert Covington, by the way. Yep. Pay that man, Philadelphia. He's, he's about for extension to. today. Pay that man. Thank you so much for earning your money, Ramona Shelburne. We appreciate you. got it, guys. Fake humanity on that. That's right. You get the bag and fumble it. I get the bag and flip it and tumble it. We see you, Austin P. Getting hyped for hard in the paint. What are they doing? I don't know. I, I, I don't. Look at the. Okay. Yeah, Is that yeah. a new dance? I don't know, but I would like to learn it. <laughs> in the 2003 NBA draft, Duke, Blue Devil, <laughs> Dante Jones selected 20th overall by the Celtics. I brought you here to really break down Duke beating Michigan State. No, you did. But then again, I wanted to go through your career. Though. You traded to the Grizzlies, you played four seasons in Memphis, ended up playing 13 seasons for eight different teams, your final two spent in Cleveland, and you won a title in 2016. Took you back down memory lane. You still look the same. You ain't easy to bit. No, you Now, during last year's run to the finals, bro, did you really rack up $9,000 worth of fines <laughs> during the postseason uh, when you only made $9,127? What'd you do with the extra $127? That's a half truth. That's a half truth. Okay, what's the whole truth?
Okay, well, you know, you're only counting a portion of my salary. So my regular season salary was made. I'm not counting your pockets at all. No, I'm no, no, I'm saying, but, but there's a there's called a playoff bonus that's way bigger than what we know or what you may know. So okay. that okay. regular season okay. one game salary was that, but the rest of it you don't know. Oh. So it was worth it. It was worth it. You because did your job. <laughs> the analogy I give that if somebody ran up on her and started talking crazy to her, what would you do? Would Absolutely. you stand by and say anything, regardless of yeah, if yeah. you're in the game or not? Yeah, you would yeah. say something back, and that's all I did. No okay. doubt. And LeBron covered you, correct? No, but it, it wasn't his responsibility. Like I wasn't, I wasn't looking for him too. No, I paid, I paid my own fines. So okay. the Cavs have they, they had five hundred right now. You know they beat you know Knicks and Mavs lately. I think they won three out of four. Or whatever, going for their third straight tonight against Charlotte. Wondering, do they need a little more Dante Jones? That was missing right now. We know they're missing IT and Tristan Thompson. <laughs> need a little more edge. It's impossible. No, yeah. um, no, they just in the process of growing and learning and, and, and learning what what kind of team, what's our identity as a team and. It's just a, it's a process. It's a process to be great, and I would rather them go through that now than at the end of the season and, and go through those trials and tribulations. It's not just you. It's obviously Kyrie on the offensive end. It's Richard Jefferson's veteran presence not there and obviously integrating new guys. Like, just elaborate a little bit more on that process. Like, we take for granted when, when a guy like LeBron goes seven straight years to the finals. It's right. like, okay, he's automatic manifest destiny to reach the, reach the, uh, the NBA finals. But it's not that simple year to year. What's some of those – some of the uh, underrated aspects of gelling as a team. Gelling on a personal level, gelling on a defensive level with a shortened training camp, that's, that's tough too. And then as seven guys integrated into the system and showed how the Cavs do it rather than what you've been doing over your career. And that's tough, and that's going to take time. It's, it's, it's just like I equate it to like Miami. Miami wasn't ready game, first 10 games of the year. It's the first, 14, eight, right? Right. Yeah. It's the first 14 games. They're learning their roles. Jay Crowder's learning how he's going to help that team. It's going to be different than how he helped Boston, or how he helped Dallas. Um, Derrick Rose, you have to integrate Isaiah Thomas and find out where he's going to pick his spots at. So Tristan Thompson hasn't been there. So the integral parts are not there, but they're also learning their roles and learning how they're going to help each other out. And it's, it's just it's going to be a process like any other season. It's, they're not going to come out the gates and just be 20 and 0. Then it wouldn't be it wouldn't help their overall growth process if, if they did that. Well, everybody's growth process is different, and clearly it's very different with Boston. I think a lot of people thought that once Gordon Hayward went down and he was hurt that. You know, we all kind of lowered our expectations for this team. But you look at what they're doing now, 12-game win streak, uh, look fabulous. Kyrie looks great. Um, are they right now? I know it's the regular season. Everything is still early, including for the Cavs. But do they look like the type of team that can seriously beat the Cavs when it comes down to playing for something meaningful? In my opinion, no, but that's, that's just what it is. But why point. not, I guess? Because they have a, they have a mix of, of young and, and seasoned and, and – and growing talent, but I don't think they can beat them in a seven-game series. I think yeah. they're they're doing well right now. They're getting better. They're they're playing well right now. But play all basketball now is different not animal. You want to play your best basketball. You want to be playing your best basketball in in March, April ish. And right peaking too early. I, I I think they're they're going to peak early, but maybe they may be able to hold it down. They they have. They're going to have a different journey than everybody else. So yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll see, but you can't rate them now where they're going to be at the end of the season. Not right, at all. right. That's, that's pretty ahead of schedule for rookies mm-hmm. to step into the playoffs and play right. like that. But defensively, they look great. Um, so we're not going to waste time talking about the, the Sixers see, here you go. getting this W. I already know where this is going. Why not? No, I, I mean, I, see, I don't, you should be proud of where your Sixers are. Like, that's, Thank that's, you. That's, no, 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 no. I He's am. trying to goad you what? to talk about Michigan State. That's okay. And it's all right. See, I see how you do. You're not, you're not slick. I wouldn't go See, you know, some of us actually know about not your, Division not your fault. I only root for Duke just to mess with her. Otherwise, no. I'm sorry. Good game. Appreciate it, man. Right. Thank Listen, you, Dante Jones. Oh, 
like a little glide step, man. That was beautiful. Yeah, this is really provocative. <laughs> and it got you guys going, too. Yeah. I can tell. That people is literally going hard in the paint. Now it's time to figuratively go hard in the paint. Coach Cal and Maria Taylor shared a moment during halftime last night. Kansas is out hustling us, but I'll say this. Really proud of a bunch of Frenchmen. Might have your arm really hard. It's really tight. But <laughs> I'm not your player. I was not offended at all by him grabbing my arm. It was not an awkward moment. We laughed about it and went on about our business. So I hope you can too. But if you can't and you're writing a story, I am not the ESPN reporter. My name is Maria Taylor. Let's go ahead and get it straight. I love it. My that. mom ain't named me ESPN like, what reporter. What you not going to do, the clap, is call me ESPN reporter. <laughs> now, this was a, a great moment, but yeah. I love how she politely checked everybody at yeah. the end. But they got a relationship. You can yeah, make a big deal about it. it you know? Good moment by Maria. Great game, too. Both of them were great games, despite the fact I was great unhappy. Great college basketball. How one of them turned out. All right, James Harden uh, showed up looking like a highlighter. Are we going to show some highlights? <laughs> Damn. Do have plenty of highlights. What was that? So 38, that. and that's like 38 steps he took with that Euro step. <laughs> I love that Marty Rosen sticking with tradition. But that Euro step, that's like an intercontinental Euro step right there. Uh, it was a little much. After the win. <laughs> they did, and they also won here on, on social, social media. media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, by... Uh, Showing a beardless James Harden, which I don't even remember what that looks Me like. Me neither. The only yeah. Arizona State remembers that. <laughs> yeah. uh, by the way, do you remember Chris Paul? He I plays do. for the Rockets. Rockets, I think, 12-4 and four without him. He is going to be back tomorrow against the Suns. Missed almost a month with a bruised knee after going down the season over. We talked a lot about the Celtics gelling quicker than expected. The Cavs taking time to gel. Mike D'Antoni talked about it today. Like, they got to go through a process of their own now reintegrating Chris Paul, which didn't get off to a great start. When he, you know, when the season first starts. Yeah, well, it, it is an interesting thing because they're at Houston, obviously, off to a whistle at the start of the season, and now they have to readjust mm-hmm. to a player who's as great as Chris Paul. What we call a day, telling people had a good day. All right, it's a good day for you parents out there if you're looking for a Christmas gift because Mattel announced it will make a Barbie modeled after my girl, Olympic fencer Ifti Muhammad. In two in 2016, she became the first American to compete in the games while wearing a hijab. Uh, she said, I'm proud to know that little girls everywhere can now play with the Barbie who chooses to wear a hijab. This is a childhood dream come true. Awesome. So, hey, we will be buying several. We interviewed the AL Cy Young Award winner earlier. Good day for Max Scherzer. Won his second consecutive Cy Young Award, third of his career. He and teammate Steven Strasburg made it to the third straight season. Their two teammates have finished in the top three of the NL Cy Young voting. That's it for the six. Sports Center continues on ESPN News. NBA Countdown next. Cavs Hornets at 8 Eastern on ESPN. More Bam. energy.